is faithfully, consistently leading us to worship our Lord and to the mothers. Man, we do honor you today and say happy Mother's Day. And I got to tell mine first thing this morning. When I woke up, she spent the night and was here in worship with us. So, Mom, happy Mother's Day again to you and to all of our mothers. And then I also reiterate Pastor Henry's word uh, and uh, to those who have lost a mother uh, and um, that it's a hard day. For you, And so when you know that someone, just give them a little extra hug today, uh, reminding them that the presence of the Lord is real. In fact, maybe today's message would encourage all of us and even all the mothers here. I think there's a place always in the Word of God and a place for Jesus to give us strength. But today's message certainly will encourage us uh, in um, what we know, what we can claim, not what we hope, but what we know because of who Jesus is. And when we know him personally, that he is basically has the power over death. Amen? And so death is not certain for those who put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. And so that needs to, hopefully it will encourage you this morning and encourage all of us. And then for those children, all those children, moms, that in your honor, uh, we are blessing with a gift today. Because many of those children, they don't have a mother. Uh, they don't have a lady in their life that's earned the title mommy. Uh, and But thank God for the Alabama Baptist Children's Home and for those house parents that take those uh, children in and love them and teach them the love of God. And so we honor you in loving on them today. Well, we have been in a series, the I Am series, and so today we are in John chapter 11 uh, and uh, talking about the I Am, the great I Am, Jesus. And this is the I Am statement where he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life, John chapter 11, and it's a long chapter, all right? So we're just going to zone in on the verses 17 through 44 this morning. And the takeaway is Jesus conquered death so that death could never conquer us. Now that's a great takeaway and a great promise to know that. Uh, and so the key to being able to claim that takeaway is to know the author uh, uh, over uh, the author of life and the author over death. There's only one author that can give us that certainty. There's only one author that can conquer death, and so Jesus is that author. And so there's some facts that we find in John chapter 11, verse 17 through 44, and I want us to walk through those today. I'm going to give them to you, and then we'll break these verses down to see what's going on uh, in, in, in the story here. And the mothers, why I say there's probably a place that you can put yourself today in these personalities because we're dealing with Mary and Martha. And uh, the New Testament deals with them at different times, and today we're dealing with them when they had uh, lost a loved one, when they had lost their brother. And so uh, the first uh, fact, fact number one that we find when it comes to Jesus being able to conquer death so that death can never conquer us and knowing him for who he is, the first fact is we don't know God like God knows us. Did you know that? We don't know God like God knows us. And so even Mary and Martha walking with God in the flesh with Jesus, they were learning, they were growing. In fact, we see that Mary uh, has the most receptive heart to begin with, and then she is influential in leading Martha and even others towards Jesus and to who Jesus is and to figuring out who Jesus is. And so uh, it's interesting how God uses all of us uniquely and different, but we don't know God like God knows us. And so we find this story in John chapter 11, uh, basically, that takes place, and it has to do with Lazarus. And so if you look at verse 17 with me, up until verse 17, I'll tell you a little bit of what's going on. Uh, they, uh, Jesus is away with his disciples, and while he is away, he hears about the illness uh, of Lazarus. 
And he assures them that that illness does not lead to death. Now, they're trying to figure all this out because they show up four days late in their, their opinion, in Martha and Mary's opinion, and he's dead. Uh, he's what we would call graveyard dead here in the South because uh, he ain't been breathing for four days. And there's no doubt, there's no uh, hoax, there's no anything that he's, that he's dead. But Jesus is trying to teach them a lesson, and that's why he uses the word sleep. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But he does say this in verse 4 of John 11, and then we'll kind of work our way down to 17 to our main text. He says, this illness does not lead to death, it is for the glory of God. It's very important that we understand that. It's for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, why that's so important as we see this uh, story unfold is we begin to put ourselves uh, in, the, in the context of the text, which we should always do, and go, okay, what is true for me? Because whatever was true in this text and setting for Mary and Martha is also true for us. Whatever was true for Lazarus is true for us in that we exist for the glory of God. Our story is for God's glory. And so the problem is, is that when we want to write our own story, Many times we want to write our own story. And we talked about this Wednesday night in the book of James that we, we, uh, we make our plans and ask God to join our plans rather than saying, God, what is your plan for our life? Uh, and that's unfortunately what many times we do. And so we are not, when we do that, we are not living our lives. We're talking about what we're going to do tomorrow. We're talking about what we're going to have one day. We're talking about all these things. And James says, how foolish. You do not even know you're going to be here tomorrow. So if you don't know you're going to be here tomorrow and you had nothing to do with bringing yourself to be in this earth um, and, and, and you're not the creator, then it makes good sense to check in with the creator who designed you, who created you for a purpose in mind for you to follow that purpose and that plan rather than to take your life in your own hands. And so Jesus ultimately is preaching that same thing when he gets down to what he's doing here with this platform, especially to Mary and Martha to accept him in his fullness uh, and that he is the full package to God, that he is the full package uh, that to, to life over death. And that's a beautiful story. But ultimately, he has devoted his life to the glory of God. And now he's, got a, he's being a witness to his disciples to teach them that his life's devoted to the glory of God, that their life should be devoted to the glory of God, and that he's going to use this situation in Lazarus' life for the glory of God. And that's what he does. And so he says, all right, let's go uh, and see them uh, after they had waited so long. And that's where we pick up in verse 7. Says now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. It says now, verse twenty. So when Mar when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Note that Mary and Martha. There's both of you in here, all right, today. And we're going to learn from that. But that, notice that Martha ran out and Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha, knowing the law and knowing some of the teachings, she said, said to him, I, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day, is what she says. Now, we don't know God like God knows us. You see, Martha saw Jesus as being four days late, and she could not see it any other way in her mind. She had already accepted in her mind that Jesus wasn't where he needed to be when he needed to be. And, and Jesus is over here on the other, and he knows what is going on in the life of Lazarus, and he knows that he needs to wait four days. Why? Was it because he didn't care about Lazarus? 
Was it because he didn't care about Mary and Martha that he loved so much and being there to comfort them in those first initial days? No. It was that the glory of God in that situation would trump even his own feelings of love for them. It was that the glory of God and what God wanted to do in this situation would even trump their hurt and their pain because God was going to get ultimate glory out of the situation, in this situation. So this is a great passage. We talk and we know that our lives exist first and foremost and only for the glory of God, that we're to live them for the glory of God. This is a beautiful passage of proof of that. But to, to Martha, Martha saw Jesus as four days late, but Jesus knew he was right on time, right? Being sensitive to what the Father would have. And so Martha was bound by time in her mind, but Jesus has never been bound by time because he was before time. He has always been. So Jesus doesn't get caught up like we do in living from event to event. Jesus doesn't look at his watch and go, oh my goodness, I better hurry up and get that done. I'm not going to get it done. I better get these things off my list today or I might not get them done. Like as if he's, if he's bound by time. No, no. He knew he was the eternal God living in a temporary world. And you and I, when we're walking in Christ, are eternal beings living in a temporary physical world. But we live, unfortunately, dominated by the physical, temporary world and live walking in the mind more than in the spirit. So Martha was the, here's what I would, I would consider Martha, and some of y'all are in here. Martha was the get-her-done proactive planner. You know what I'm talking about? Martha didn't slow down much to sit. And even when we see Martha and Mary and Jesus comes into their house and she's doing all these preparations and she's been planning this out for a month and she's a little frustrated because Mary's not as proactive and is excited about it. And so what does she do? She tattletales. We don't like tattletales, right? Teachers and principals don't like tattletales. You know, but she goes and tattletales. Guess who she tattletales to? Jesus. Can you go in there and get her, you know what I'm saying, to get off her uh, seat and get in here and help I've been working, I've been planning all this, and Jesus teaches Martha the lesson. Martha's learning another lesson in this story, in this chapter, that her life's not about her. That, that her life, as much as God loves her, God is not about her and her glorifying her life or living her life for her glory. God is about glorifying himself in and through her life, her sorrow, her pain, and her story. And that's what happens. Verse 20 and verse 21 is basically, you see the difference. And we know the difference in these personalities, as we've said. Someone probably, if you can picture this story, here's what's happening. Martha's been waiting. And you know what happens. When you want something to happen on your timetable and you're proactive and someone doesn't come through, the longer it takes, the madder you get, right? The more upset, the more like you're just, you're just oh, you know, I cannot believe. You know, now, and, and, and Martha knew Jesus enough. She doesn't rebuke him in any way, but she knew him enough and was a friend enough that she could kind of cast her concern out there. Even like we know him enough as his children. We wouldn't show disrespect to him, but we can go, why? Why didn't you show up? Why this in my life? Where were you at here? Why, for you mothers, why did you give me these three kids? Why didn't you give me that? I'm joking, all right. And so, you know, like, how in, how in the world? Why did this happen to me today? Why me? The only one in the school car line, and it's my children throwing stuff out the windows, right? Why, Lord? And so, and it's okay to come to God like that. And Martha came, but she was going to learn the lesson. And so I can just see it. She's been waiting four days. She's frustrated. 
She was hoping Jesus would care enough about her. She thought she had a friend in Jesus. Probably went through her mind. Why? Because Martha began to let her emotions dictate truth rather than truth dictate her emotions. Now there's a principle for you. And she had already begun to have the enemy sowed seeds of doubt in her mind about this situation. And so now when she, basically, it's like this. You can just see someone probably comes in the house and said, here comes Jesus. And she probably goes, finally. Finally, oh, I'm, I'm going well, I'm, I'm to have a talk with him. Because I've even laid my thoughts and my plan out of my talk with him. And how he's not even going to be able to refute this because I've crossed every T and dotted every I as he told us to do, all right? And, and, and so I'm, I'm going to go out and I'm going to talk to him. So Martha storms out and Mary is probably thinking in her head, oh no, here she goes. I'm going to sit right here. Uh, I don't want to be the recipient of the lesson that's going to be learned right here. And so here's the deal. Martha had a plan, but Jesus didn't work with her plan, basically. That's what she's saying. I had a plan. I had a plan. I care about my brother. I had a plan. Anyone here know how that feels? You, you got a plan, and it doesn't work out the way you think it's going to work out, and, 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 and you feel like God is not, in, not helping you in your plan? That's the way Martha felt. She felt like that God was not there. The Lord, if he would have been there. She said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And so the fact is, we don't know God like God knows us. And we can think we know what's best for our own life and our own self and miss what God has for us that is best. So you say, what do you do in that situation? You just obediently follow God. You, you take the old hymns that we've sang, trust and obey, for there's no other way. You take the old hymn, learning to, I'm learning to lean, learning to lean on Jesus. Finding more power than I've ever dreamed. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. And Martha, being human, and like many of us would do, you respond to the immediate need, your emotions get involved in the immediate need, and you go to try to start figuring things out in those moments. And, and we've, we've been through that. We've been through those moments of, what can we do? How can we keep them longer? How, how, can we, how can we pray? You know what I'm saying? And, and pray them here. There's nothing wrong with all those things. But ultimately, what we forget to ask is, God, what do you really want to glorify you in this situation? What do you want? And that's why Jesus teaches us to pray, not our will be done, but his will be done. His kingdom come. Fact two, Jesus wants us to desire him more than we desire anyone or anything else. You see this kind of struggle right here with Martha? Oh, she loves Jesus. And she's hearing about living for Jesus. And she's learning to walk in and believe who Jesus is. But she's yet to totally learn this principle about Jesus is to be her everything. And, and Jesus and who he stands for being God and bearing witness of God the Father, he is living for his glory. So even in his own hardship, in his own life, in his own struggles, and all the warfare, what does he do? He doesn't live for himself. He doesn't say, well, God, if you wouldn't have led me out to the desert out there for the enemy to come and tempt me like that after I hadn't ate 40 days. He doesn't make God the cause of his problems. He knows God is sovereign over that situation, and in what should be his weakest moment, the enemy doesn't realize that he's closer and stronger and walking under the anointing and authority of God because he said, Father, I want you more than I want bread. <laughs> I want you more than I want food, God. 
filming for this situation. And so God, Jesus revealed that he wanted God. He wanted the glory of God. That's how he endured the cross for the joy set before him. The joy was the glory that would go to God. We were the recipients and uh, beneficiaries of, of, of that whole act and that whole moment that that is one of the ways that God will receive glory is that Jesus would take our cross and so that we would learn to desire him more than anything or anyone. So now think about this moment. Think about this for a moment. Now when someone is really sick, when someone is really sick, what do we say to them? You need to go to the what? The doctor. You need to go to the doctor. We don't say, you need to go read a medical book. Well, I've got a 105 temperature. I can't hardly get out of bed. Well, you just need to get somebody to bring you a medical book. You need to read. We don't say that. We say, you need to go to the doctor. And this is basically what Jesus is saying to Martha at this point. Martha, calm down. <laughs> you're about to learn something in this situation. You're, you're about to learn something in this situation. You, you, you don't need your written out human plan, although it might be a good plan. Although there's nothing wrong with being proactive, and some of those who are procrastinators probably need to learn that, right? And, and, but you, you don't, what he said is, you don't need the law, Martha. You need me. Because I am the fulfillment of the law. All you need is me. But, but Lord, that's why I wanted you to be here four days ago. Martha, Martha, you're missing it. All you need is me. And when you have me... You'll quit trying to dictate and control your situations, and then you'll say, whatever you want to do, God. Whatever your will is, Lord. Now, here's what I'd like to see, but Lord, I submit that to what you see is best. So I'm not going to allow my emotions to dictate truth, to set God up as my enemy because he didn't show up the way I needed him to show up. I'm going to let the glory of God, the truth that I'm supposed to live for, for the glory of God, dictate my emotions and my circumstance and situation. That God is sovereign over that. Now, how many of you look at me and admit, that's tough to do, Pastor, sometimes. And I, Come on, get your hands up. Come on, you're human. It is for me too, all right? So pray for me too. But we know it's a biblical and a concrete truth. And so that's, that's, that's what Jesus was trying to teach her. Martha, all you need is me, Martha. I am the fulfillment. Literally this, I am the great physician. I know what the need is. I know what is needed. And as much as I love you, and I hate to see you hurt, and as much as I love Lazarus and would love for him to be on here in my temporary time, I know what is needed in this situation. And I know what is greater than your mourning and your loss, as hard as it is, and what is, what is even uh, more important to the Father is the Father is all about using platforms for His glory. And that's what we have here. The Father is all about using platforms for His glory. Jesus is saying, I'm the great physician. I am the resurrection and the life. Martha's even focused on what she's been taught and what she's heard. But here's the deal. You can focus more on the event than the one who is over the event or the reason for the event. Well, I know that in the last day, I know that in the resurrection, and Jesus is trying to teach her something. The one who makes that possible is right before you, Martha. And, he, and she's still learning. She's still growing as she would when Mary, her sister, was washing the feet of Jesus. And, and, and she, she learned another lesson. And so Jesus is only saying, 
I will conquer death so that death will never conquer you. Fact number three, God knows when and how to receive and display his glory. All this is building to the glory of God. God knows when and how to receive and display his glory. Verse 28 through verse 40, look at it with me, please. Now, when you, um, actually, let's see, let's, let's drop back here a second uh, to 25 and 27. Look at verse 25 and 27. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Here's the I am statement that we're looking at. Whoever believes in me, everybody say whoever. I believe it. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this, he says? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And so basically she makes this claim, and she's about to see the fullness of the power of God in a way that she had never seen it. Uh, and not only is she going to see it because of this platform, others are going to see it. Others are going to see it, that's, and that's what God's up to right here. So God knows when and how to receive and display his glory. Look at verse 28. When she had said this, she went in and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. I noticed that. Martha was calling for him. Right? Martha had her plan, and she had her like, I'm going to let him know. He should have been here. No. Mary waits on the master to call her. What's the difference? Mary is trusting, even though she doesn't understand. Mary is trusting that she serves God, Jesus, God in the flesh, and she can't understand it. But she's not turning on God. She's not turning on Jesus. She's thinking in her mind, he knows all things. He knows all things. And so the teacher calls for her. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now notice this. God loves taking platforms and situations that involve other people who are clueless to really what is going on. Because remember, Jesus is the light of the world, and people who do not know Jesus the light, they walk in darkness. Even though they may think they're walking in light. And so people begin to go, oh, well, where's she go? She must be upset. No, she's upset about losing Lazarus, but she's actually got joy in her heart because Jesus called for her. And, 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 and she, she has found Jesus to be faithful. She has found Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life and, and is growing in that relationship with him. And so verse 32, now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, what did she do? She fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, now she says it here, here. if you had been here, my brother would have not died. She's reiterating what her sister said. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Now, there's been others say, well, why would Jesus be deeply moved in his spirit and deeply troubled if he knew what was about to take place and that he was going to raise him up? It's not like he'd be deeply moved and deeply troubled. Well, there's different, there's different, different commentators say different things on that. They say that it was custom for the Jews there. It was a custom that they had to hire two flute players, even those who didn't have a lot, but they had to get two little flute players, and then they had to hire a professional mourner. How many of you have ever heard professional mourners, all right? I've always been warned. If some lady's walking down your street with potato salad and you're not dead yet, you better beware, all right? Somebody may be about to go. 
All right, so I guess back then they had a lady with her potato salad, and they hired her a professional mourner, and they're like, they're close, they're close, you know. And so some say that Jesus literally, that he was, that, 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 that he was moved and upset because of those people, like not even really knowing this family like he knew them. That, 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 that moved him to be upset. Some have said that that was the case in that situation. But others say not so. Others say that it just, you know, Jesus hated to see those that he loved go through this. They, they, all they could see was this part and that it moved his heart. But whatever the case, we know that Jesus was in control of this situation. And so we pick back up here on verse um, 34. And he said this to them. Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. That's a good Bible verse if you don't know any yet to memorize. The shortest one in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. 35. So verse 36, so the Jews said, see how he loved him? Now notice there's more people gathered in. There's a few believers. There's many curious, and then there's plenty of haters. Plenty of haters. Those Pharisees and, and Sadducees and had a hard time accepting Jesus for who he was and the fullness of his authority. And he says in verse 37, but some of them said, could not he open the eyes of the blind man? This man who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? But in that doubt, enemies working through him, so that seeds of doubt. And so basically verse 38, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God revealed? God knows when and how to receive and display his glory. Now, remember when I said we don't know God like God knows us? Remember that? That's what we said. That's what we said the very, very first fact was. You see, we may not want to admit it, but sometimes we struggle understanding the concept of living for the glory of God. Here's what God showed me some seven years ago when you're dealing with this. When you're dealing with, okay... In this situation, it's bad, but it turns out in what we would say is really, really good. We talked about the man who was born blind last week that we see in John chapter 9. Remember what his disciples asked Jesus when they saw this blind man? They said, Jesus, was this man born blind because of his personal sin or his family's sin? Was it passed down from generation? And you remember Jesus' response? Jesus said, this man wasn't born blind because of his personal sin or his parents' sin. This man was born blind that the glory of God might be revealed. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm all about the glory of God. And so what does Jesus do in the blind man's situation? He heals the blind man. He, 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 he heals the blind man. And what does the blind man do? The blind man goes and he gives him glory. And so we've talked about that situation. Now, it's th that God did in that situation. God saw that. God was over that. And God used that platform because the blind man gave glory to God. And it was a witness to many, especially the prideful Pharisees, because they're the ones who came back in interrogating him and questioning him, and he actually invited them. He witnessed to them. They're some of the, I think they're the first ones he witnessed to, those Pharisees. Would you like to follow this man, too? He's pretty cool. He, he not only opened my eyes where I could see here, he's opened my heart where I could see the Father. And so that's the platform. Now, two chapters later, we see another great platform for the glory of God to be revealed in the life of Lazarus. Because God's glory was revealed to those who loved him. God's glory was revealed here to those who were curious, who were coming to see who he really was. And then God's glory was revealed to those who refused to believe who he was. And those who didn't even agree with his teaching over the resurrection, such as the Sadducees. 
And so by this time, where Jesus could have showed up four days later, we know he could have, but, but, but he didn't. He could have showed up four days later, and there wouldn't have been this crowd. There, there wouldn't have been as many uh, uh, curious people at that situation. And God knew that. But he shows up at this time with all these people. Now, something hit me as I was studying over this text over the last several weeks and months is that this is the first time it's ever hit me before about this story. But here's the thought that hit me. How did Lazarus feel about all this? You ever thought about that? I'd never thought about that. You said, what do you mean how did Lazarus? I believe if I was Lazarus, I'd be a little upset. What do you mean? Lazarus was around the throne of God. I'm four days in. It's just now getting great. And you call me back to this mess? I never thought about it. I'm like, poor Lazarus, man. I'm telling y'all, I love you. I love my family more than you. And I love you all. But when he calls me home, I don't want to come back to this old world. I just want you to be encouraged that you're real close to coming and make sure you are at peace with the Lord and that you're bringing others with you and that you're going to stand before them. But I thought about Lazarus. But then I thought about this. If anybody learned this lesson, it was Lazarus. That his life was about the glory of God. And the thing God taught me seven years ago is that when I can look at somebody and say, people's praying for you, and we can see God divinely intervene and take away cancer and heal them, you see the glory of God, and man sees the glory of God because that person gives them glory to God. But the thing I wrestled with is how do I look to the one who doesn't get the healing, who doesn't get the divine healing, who doesn't get the extension on, in this messed up world, how do I look at them and comfort them? I look at them because God showed me this, and I said there's two ways that God reveals his glory in that situation. One is he brings divine healing, and the people give him glory, and that's for the non-believers who will believe in the power of God and come to God and to encourage the believer. I said, but the second way is the greatest way for the glory of God to be revealed, and that is face-to-face when he calls his children home. There's no greater way for the glory of God to be revealed. But... We obviously are human, and we struggle with that because sometimes we, sh- we, we want it more to be about, you, you should have been here. You, you didn't show up for me. You showed up for them. You didn't show up for me. And God goes, you're missing it. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. All of your time is limited on this earth. But don't get wrapped up in this earth. Get wrapped up in me, because when you're wrapped up in me, you'll do as Paul did, and you'll think on things above, and you won't let the things and circumstances and things of this world dictate you or drive you to a point to set God up as your enemy. You'll know that he's sovereign. You'll know that he's got the best in mind for you. You'll know that he knows you a lot better than you know him, and that he's over your situation. That's We've got to stop living for ourselves to believe that. And, and then the, the, the fact number four, the last one, uh, is this. Jesus is the author of life and the authority over death. That's all of this is driving to prove that point uh, as we wrap this text up. So look at verse 41 through 44. He says, um, he says this in verse 41. The Bible says this. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, <laughs> Oh, I'd like to have been there for this moment. You know what I'm talking about? Father, I thank you that you have heard me. 
I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. Who's God about in this situation? Mary and Martha, he loves dearly. Lazarus, he loves dearly. Lazarus is dead, but who is God about in this story? God is about himself. And he is the only one who has the right to be about himself and it not be sin. He's about himself. And Jesus even points us back to that, saying that they may believe that you sent me, God. I realize you're sovereign over this situation. I realize this is one of those platforms. I realize the only reason that you won't let me call them to me, even when I come to your right hand, is for those yet to come. And there's those yet to come to believe in me that are around this platform that are about to have their eyes open and believe. Because no man can do what's about to be done, Father. Only you can do that. And only you and I together. So verse 43, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out, come forth. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Amen? Now that happened. That happened. But can I tell you something else? None of you's ever seen that happen, like, in person. I've never seen it. That wigs some of y'all out, all right? It wouldn't bother me as bad, because I grew up a PK, and our backyard was always a, 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 a funeral. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was always a graveyard. Literally, I'm not kidding. You're talking about a cool place to play hide-and-go-seek. I don't suggest it, all right? But I was young. Uh, Mama didn't know, all right, since she's here. But, uh, but I literally, I'm not, I'm not as wigged out about it, but I'm telling you, if you were standing in that context that they were in, and, and, and you were a doubter or you were a hater, I mean, think about these Sadducees. Oh, these people's crazy, man, thinking about this resurrection of the dead. And there's no such thing. There is no way. When a body dies, it's dead. You know what I'm saying? It decays. There's no soul. There's no spirit. Jesus taught right the opposite. Taught right the opposite. There's a soul. And I'm telling you right as I stand before you today, based on the authority of the Bible and the Word of God, you have a soul and you're going to die physically uh, on this earth if Jesus tarries his return, but your soul will never die. And that's why Jesus used the term, he is asleep. And so to Jesus, when he, when he knew that, when he told his disciples that he's asleep, and his disciples saw, no, he's dead. Here's the way Jesus, because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus saw that situation just like you mothers would here, all right? As we talk about Mother's Day, as you saw your kid asleep, he saw no difference. In fact, you might have a harder time getting your kid up in the morning than Jesus had getting Lazarus up, right? But Jesus looked at that situation like that. He didn't look into it going, oh, what am I going to do? He's dead. He's asleep. He's asleep. He's asleep. Why? Because he knew who God was. He knew who he was. He knew that he was the resurrection and the life. And those who die in Christ Jesus, death has lost its sting. We still have to go in this temporary, unredeemed, and this unredeemed flesh through the process of dying, which is painful, and it's painful for all of us. But death has lost its sting to those who put their faith in Jesus Christ and Christ alone has no hold over me, has no dominion over me. And the grave, here's what he's literally teaching through this with Lazarus. The grave has no hold on this man. Time has no man, hold on this man. They even think time has a hold on Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm not in time, I'm over time. <laughs> I'm over time. 
It's, and it's Jesus working overtime to make this happen, right? He's here, he's there, he's everywhere. Uh, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, the Son of Man hath not where he lay his head. He's on the move. Why? Because he's all about glorifying the Father in this short time of three, three and a half years to glorify God and point people to Jesus. And so Jesus says that I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the author of life. I have authority over death. And in verse 33, I love this, we see a preview of the power of God in this passage. When we see a preview of what it's going to be like on Resurrection Day for all believers. On Resurrection Day for all believers. And as you bow your head and you close your eyes at this point, I want you to think about that. We've said we've got the story in our mind. We've pictured it in our own way of what this must have been like. Some of you have put yourself in the shoes of uh, Mary and some in the shoes of Martha. And some of you know that you're, you're, you're actually the planner of your days. And, and, and you, you, you're not really finding God's plan for your life. But then you question God when things don't go the way you've planned them out. Uh, or, or maybe you, uh, you, you, you tell God if he would have done this or why didn't he do this. Or, or he's not sensitive to you like he's sensitive to someone else because things seem to be going well for them. And God's trying to teach you, I'm sovereign over whatever you walk through. I'm sovereign over whatever you face in your day. I'm sovereign. Just know me, he's saying. Just follow me, he's saying. Just follow me. Whatever that means. Let truth dictate your emotions rather than your emotions dictate what is truth to you. Because the enemy will get you all messed up. See, ultimately, God's about his glory. And one way that God gets glory is when our faith is strengthened. And if your faith is really going to be strengthened, (laughs) you're going to face suffering. You're going to face sickness. You're going to face death. You're going to face tribulation. As much as I'd love to tell you, all life's going to be a bed of roses if you just do this, this, and this. And all those things. Jesus never taught that. Jesus never taught that. Jesus taught you best life's going to be with him around the throne of God because there'll be no more sin. That's what Jesus taught. But Jesus taught in this world, you will have tribulation. But he said, be of good cheer. I've overcome this world, pointing us to what is to come. (laughs) That's why I think Lazarus was probably like, say what? You know what I'm saying? Pick somebody else. But yet he yielded his life to the glory of God, knowing, knowing that it's worth coming back from the throne of God for others to find God. Think about that. That's probably how Lazarus submitted to it. But what about you today? You have a soul. What about you today? Are you really making the mistake of keeping your life in your own hand, living your life in your own way? Because here's the deal. If you're trying to live your life in your own way and you've never yielded your life to the Holy Spirit and to God and accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, you've automatically determined your destiny by that decision. So what do you mean, Pastor? What I mean is, is that what we've said based on the Word of God is that Jesus said it himself. Don't fear the one that can destroy the body. Fear the one who literally is going to look at every man, every person who stands before God. 
and he is going to know that you either said yes to him, that you followed him as he invited you through the Holy Spirit, or you did not. He's not going to talk about church attendance. He's not going to talk about we at least showed up on Mother's Day. He's going to say, did you die to yourself, confess your sins, and follow me as Lord and Savior? If that's you today, and I know there's some here, and I want to encourage you. I'm not sitting here. I don't know who you are, but he does. That's, and and I, I can't draw you to him. Only he can. But I'll promise you this. If that's you, and you've never, you've never turned your life over, you've never accepted Jesus' invitation to allow him to become your Lord and Savior, I promise you, you'll know he's tugging at your heart through the Holy Spirit. Because you'll start to fight it. No, this is crazy. I don't even go to church here. I just came with Mama. Lord, get me out of here. If I can just get out of here, if I can just get to where we're going to eat or the park, whatever we're going to do today, but I can just get this service. Oh, I'm about to walk out of here right now if this man don't stop talking. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. And you know what? He's, he's, he's not mad at you. He loves you. God loves you. God gave his best in his only son. All he asks of us is to simply die to our pride, die to trying to save ourselves, die to trying to work our way to him and say, God, I need you. So if that's you, just tell him right there in your heart and spirit strong. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I know that I can't save myself. And Lord, I want you to know that I'm so sorry for all my sins. I confess them all, Lord. And Lord, I accept your invitation. I will follow you. And you are my Lord and my Savior, God. In Jesus' name I pray.